0: Stay here for just a just a second. Step right up here beside me. Notice anything unusual about Aaron? Yeah. These people over here. These people over here probably can't see you. <laughs> yeah. Allie walked up to him a little while ago and said, "Aaron, I could. I've got some shirts back there. I can give you another. I can give you another shirt." So you probably noticed during worship, if you were in a place where you could see him. This white shirt, something's wrong with it, isn't there? So I want you to remember that picture. That's the picture I want you to get in your mind today. Thanks, sir. Thanks for being a good sport. I was going to wear it this morning and change my mind. So let me ask you a question. What's the word on the street about you? When When your name comes up, What do people say about you? You ever think about that? Now most of us are not world famous. (laughs) All of us are not world famous. Some of us are infamous. (laughs) But What do people say about you when your name comes up? Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. In other words, to have a good reputation, to have a good name, is a precious thing that we want to hold on to. Now, many of you remember we began a series uh, last week about the Old Testament. We want to give you the major Bible characters in the Old Testament. Some of them we'll spend uh, two or three weeks on because they're such major characters. So we want you to know the characters, the stories of the Bible, because so many people are biblically illiterate these days. And we also want to help you get the sequence in your mind of when when the events in the Old Testament particularly took place. So this morning we're going to talk about Noah. Now, when you mention the name Noah, what comes to mind? The flood, the ark, the rainbow. Those would all be things that would come to our mind. The rainbow was to signify God's covenant with Noah. Let me read these words about Noah's life and the time that he lived in. Genesis chapter six, beginning in verse five. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. So they weren't just a little bit evil, they were evil all the time, their intentions, their thoughts. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals, creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. He looked at people and how sinful they were, and it agonized his heart to know how evil they were. But Noah, say that word with me, but Noah. He was the exception. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked with God. Now, that last sentence, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time and he walked with God. That sums up Noah's life. It sounds almost like an epitaph that you'd put on a put on a tombstone. Now, I, I don't know if people still do this as much as they once did, but growing up, our family would go to the cemetery at least on Memorial Day, sometimes other than that, and you walk around the cemetery. I like to go back to where I went to high school, and I walk around the cemetery to see All the names of the people that have passed on. Some I knew were gone, some surprised me, they're gone. But usually people have a little phrase on their tombstone. I've told you before my brother, who was a great sinner but greatly saved, I put on his on his tombstone Jesus, friend of sinners. It's a statement about that person. Well, this is a statement about Moses that summarizes his life. Noah was a righteous man. Think about that. Blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. Now, you remember last week we talked about the fact that when God created the heavens and the earth and man, at the end of each day, he would say, this is good. When he created human beings, he said, this is very good. It was a capstone of his creation. But notice how that's changed. Now, every inclination of man's heart is wicked and evil. Now, notice the picture that we have of the ark. Let's talk about the ark for just a minute. Now, just to give you an idea, I mean, you can tell that's a pretty good-sized boat. There are actually a couple of recreations of the ark that, are, that are, were built in the last number of years. There's one in, in the south someplace. I don't recall exactly where it is. But there's also one in Europe that they took the dimensions out of the Bible and and recreated this boat. Now, just to leave that up there for a minute, just to give you an idea of the size of this boat, 450 feet long. That's one and a half times the length of a football field. Imagine that. And it's, it's 75 feet wide. So one and a half length of the football field, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. What's that, three stories, I think? 500 livestock railroad cars. The animals that would fit in 500 railroad livestock cars would fit in the ark. Now, I, I know we—we, we, being on this side of town, you sit and wait for those coal trains that have got 100. They've always got 100, 100 cars of coal. Imagine how long that is. Five times that long, five times, that's the capacity of the ark. 125,000 animals and 1.4 million cubic feet of space. So this is an immense, immense, huge, huge boat. As you remember, probably two creatures of every kind, male and female, went in the, went in the ark, plus enough food to feed them. Eight people, we're in the in the ark, ark, Noah and his family. And you remember how people made fun of Noah. Why are you building this huge boat? I mean, you can imagine it's never rained, and, and look at this boat he's building. But when the time came, they got in the ark, and for forty days, a month and ten days, it rained and rained and rained and rained and rained. And so they were in the ark while it was raining, and of course the boat boat is rising all of that time. And then for 150 days, after it stopped raining, they waited for the water to recede. Now, do you remember a few months ago, was it March or April, that we were in lockdown and you had to stay in the house? Remember how long that felt? Well, just multiply that, eight months. Eight months there in the ark. Finally, Noah sent out a a dove, sent out a raven, then he sent out a dove. The dove came back with a branch He waited a while, and then he sent another one out and didn't come back, so he knew that it was now safe to get out of the ark. When they got out of the ark, they built an altar and worshipped the Lord. And the Lord renewed his covenant with, with Noah and also gave them permission to eat meat. Now think about this. You know anybody who's a vegan or a vegetarian? Now I'm I'm not making fun of that, but it's not for me. My friend Joe Whitworth's wife, Lena, is a is a vegan. I don't like to go out to dinner with them. They took me to a restaurant in Arizona one time, and I thought I couldn't find anything on that meal on, on that menu that I wanted. You know, I'm, I'm one of these guys. Probably you are too. Where's the meat? <laughs> Give me some meat on this t- on this plate. So finally, you know, all these generations people have been eating green plants, but now. They eat meat. God gave them permission to eat every creature. So let's think for a few moments this morning about what kind of a person Noah was. And we'll ask some questions about your life and mine that will help us think through the application of this. First of all, what does God think when he looks at me? What does God think when he looks at you? Say, well, I'm not sure God looks at me. Oh, he does. He does. He does. What does he think? What does he say about you? What does he say when he talks to the angels? You know, I saw, I saw Jared yesterday. Saw when that puppy peed on his bed. What, is, what, does, he, what does he think? <laughs> See, everything we do, God watches, he, he sees. And notice what God saw in Noah's time, wickedness every inclination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil all the time. Now, this would be similar to us looking at a child. Those of you who are parents would be able to identify with this. Maybe you as a child, you could identify with this. When, when a child is in rebellion, you're disappointed in them. I remember a number of years ago, our, our daughter Kelly rebelled and. Moved to Oregon and she was not living the way that we had raised her to live. And I can, I can get a little glimpse of what God felt. It grieved our hearts. It pained us. It hurts. It agonizes to look at a child that has gone astray. Now think about three kinds of people. Number one, people who are evil all the time. They're just wicked people. You know anybody who's just wicked? Doesn't seem like there's any good in them at all. There's one person that I see fairly regularly, and when I look at him, I think, oh my Lord. And I pray for him because it seems like he's just evil and wicked. You think about Stalin. You read anything about Stalin, he killed more people than the war did. He just butchered his own people. He was an extremely wicked, wicked man. So there are people who are evil all the time. Then there are people who are kind of a mixture. They do evil things, but once in a while you get a glimpse of something good. I can remember times in my life when that would describe me. The inclination of my heart was mixed. Sometimes I was evil. Sometimes I did good. And then there's a third kind of people who their intentions are always for good. doesn't mean they're sinless, but it means that their intentions, their motives are right. Sometimes when I fail the Lord, I'll say, Lord, you know my heart. You know that I love you. You know that I want to serve you. My intention is to be pleasing to the Lord. So God was grieved when he looked at, all the people on earth except Noah and his family. And he said, I'm going to blot them out. It'd be like you take, I've got this eraser in my office in the drawer. and I write most of my sermon in pencil the first time, first couple of times I do drafts. And then once in a while I get the eraser out and just it's gone. Some, something's gone. You know what that's like. He said, I'm going to make man disappear from the earth. Now listen to this verse in 2 Corinthians. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So the idea is that God is scanning the earth. And when he scanned the earth in that day, he saw wicked, 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 wicked wicked people. And finally, there's one. Noah, he's a righteous man. He loves me. He wants to serve me. Everybody else was wicked. And how God must have felt about Noah. He was proud of him. This is my child. This is what I created people to be like. You know anybody that's proud of their children? You know anybody that brags on their kids all the time? Drives you crazy. My friend Wally has a son named Brian and Brian's a big kid. Played football. And and he's a he's a good kid. He good good young man now I should say. But Wally brags on him all the time. Oh, he gets on the golf course. He'll hit that golf ball 320 yards. I just get so sick of him bragging about his son. <laughs> now he's got a grandson. The grandson's growing up the same way. He's he I think he's in the eighth grader, a freshman. One of the two. And he's like six foot five great big kid, plays basketball does a great job get sick of bragging about him that's way that's God felt about Noah this is my son, how do you suppose people on the earth that were wicked felt about how God treated Noah God searched the earth but, the, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord he was the exception so I want, to think, I want you to think first of all what does the Lord think about you is he ever disappointed in you? I'm sure he probably is. Sometimes he's proud of you. But What's your general nature? Second question is, what do people think when they look at me? What do people think? What do your, what do your kids say about you? What do your friends say about you? What does your wife or your husband say about you? you know, I, had, I had a friend named Jeanette Doles. She, she passed away just a week ago. And uh, when I, whenever I talked about nice people, Jeanette was one of three names that I would, that I would always always mention. Sharon Gay-Smith, Becky Todd, and, and Jeanette Doles. And I always think, gosh, they're so nice. The first time you're around them, you think they can't be that nice. But she was. J- Ginger and I went to see Jeanette every week for the last I don't know how long every, every week, every Monday we'd go see Jeanette. And she was 95 years old, sweet as she could be, and she'd just talk about how grateful she is. I'm just so grateful. I'm so thankful. People treat me so well. People are so nice to me. It was because she was nice to them. They loved her. Ron Mel was my friend and my mentor for many, many years. Some of you would know him. And uh, he passed away in 2003. And more than any other person that I know, when Ron's name would come up, it was always positive. Gosh, he's so, he's so nice. he makes me feel like I'm his best friend. In fact, I, I got online the other day and listened to another sermon of his, and all that, all that came back to me that's the kind of reputation you want to have what do people think when they look at me but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time so they couldn't point to him and find fault so when you think about people think of what do ungodly people say about you what do people who don't know the Lord say about you now. so often there's, there's this conflict between godly people and ungodly people anger, bitterness, jealousy and so forth but think about Noah he was blameless among the people of his time imagine the peer pressure that Noah had can you imagine living in a world where everybody's evil but you he doesn't have a positive example. He doesn't have any he has lots of peer pressure against him. And when I read that the other day I thought about Jesus. And you've seen me write this statement before. People who were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus, and wanted to be around him. So there, there's this thing that people do now called Matthew parties. You can imagine what a Matthew party is. If you don't, let me paint the picture. Matthew is an ungodly man. He's got lots of ungodly friends. He's, he's cheated people. He, you know he's a, he's a bad person. But when he received Christ, he invited all of his friends over. He had a Matthew party. All of his friends that were sinners, and he also invited Jesus. Because he wanted them to know who Jesus was. He wanted them to see that positive influence. Now, Matthew parties are not always pleasant. I had a neighbor across the street before he was, before he was saved. His name was Jerry. And he invited Ginger over for a party one, one afternoon. I think it was on a Saturday afternoon. and Everybody was drunk, and they were all cussing. And I stood by his dad for a while, and his dad had the filthiest mouth I've ever heard in my life, and I've heard just about everything. I thought, this isn't much fun. But when you're around ungodly people, you want to be a godly influence. The result of our being willing to go to the Matthew party with Jerry was that eventually Jerry received Christ in the midst of the most desperate time in his life. Many of you heard me tell the story about him selling drugs, taking drugs, was arrested, eventually went to prison but through my relationship with him and my love for him in the midst of those bad times, he came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. How many times have you thought about your neighbors and thought, I wonder what my neighbors say about me? Have you ever thought about inviting them to come to church or having a conversation about Jesus? Ginger just told me this the other day. I'd, I'd totally forgotten it if I even knew it. We had a neighbor for... They were, they were there for probably close to 10 years probably and one day when Ginger was studying her Bible study she thought I'm going to go over and ask her if she'd like to come to the Bible study and that takes courage You you all know that it does she went over and she asked her if she'd like to come to the Bible study and she said yeah I'll come totally blew Ginger away but she started coming to the Bible study and she's still serving the Lord today what do ungodly people say about you Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Interesting thing happened to me the other day. Uh, I was kind of surprised at myself. I was driving down Central Avenue, up Central Avenue, going west on my on my Harley, the one that's sitting out there in front. And there was a pickup that was probably three feet at the most ahead of me. And driving the speed lamp down, and, and he changed lanes. And oh, man, if, if that would have happened to me the first year I was riding a bike, I'd, I'd have been gone. But I, I swerved over like this, put on the brakes, front and back brakes, swerved over like this, and I hit the curb. Almost fell over, but stayed up, just banging off and on against the curb down there. And he was just right beside me, just going like this. So, do you think I was happy about that? So, I caught him at the next stoplight, and I I pulled up beside him, and I looked at him, and I said, Do you know you just about killed me back there? He said, I'm so sorry. What do you think I did? Can't always say that I would have done this, but I, I just when he said, "I'm so sorry," I just looked forward and took off and waved at him. We can act or we can react in situations, and people are watching. I can tell you sometimes when I have not been so admirable in my reactions, but it's important how ungodly people look at us and view us Paul says but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have in other words always be ready to tell your story to someone if you have the opportunity but do this with gentleness and respect I think it's better now, but a few years ago, there was a lot of antagonism between Christians and non-Christians. Christians, eh, yeah, 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 non-Christians, what they do and how they live, and non-Christians looking at Christians and disrespecting them and so forth. It's important that we pe- treat people with gentleness and respect and that we're always full of grace. That's how the first century church grew like it grew. It had an influence on the culture because even in the midst of persecution... They were a blessing to people. A person who is right before God will lead a life that is right before people. Those two things go hand in hand. The third question is, how can I live a life that pleases God? Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked with God. So both God and people looked at him in healthy ways. So. Notice the phrase, he walked with God. It was interesting to me. This had never occurred to me before, but it says when Jesus would invite someone to begin a journey with him, what, what did he say? Come follow me. Come walk with me. Then Paul would talk about walking in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit. Here it says he walked with God. All those things are exactly the same thing. So so uh, come up here, I want to This will be a little bit difficult for the people who are on, online, but we'll, we'll try it anyway, OK? So I want you to walk with me. OK. You're behind me. Walk, 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 walk with me. Let's go. Let's go. 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 Let's stop. Turn around and go this way. Okay, now I want you to walk fast. Stop. Turn around. I'm going to walk slow. Why don't you go that way. Why don't you go this way. Notice he's a little behind me in everything that he does, which is normal. He can't read my mind. But he stays in pace with me. In three ways. Now think about these three ways. Number one, God shows us when to act. When to step. Go. Go now. No, don't wait. Go. Now stop. Have you ever been going and God tells you to stop and you don't stop? You always get in trouble, don't you? Or you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. God says, now it's the time to act. Go. And go quickly. Or, take it easy, settle down, rest easy. Now that you keep pace with Him, I want you to go this way, or I want you to go that way. In other words, have you ever have you ever gone any place and the Lord said, "You think I ask you to be there?" See, when we do, we're out of step with God. Thank you. You did good. So notice on the outline: number one, He helps us know when to act. Number two, He helps me with the pace of my life. And thirdly, he helps me with the direction of my life. So he tells me when to act, when to go slow, when to speed up, and the direction of my life. I want you to go there. I want you to go there. In other words, you're so sensitive to God and his presence in your life that you can... I mean you all know what that feels like. Some many people say, oh, well, God God's never talked to me, but God gives you impressions in your heart. That's how like you say, No, don't don't do that. You know when he does that. You know, people always say, Well, I don't know what to do. Baloney. Most of the time we know exactly what to do because God will show us the wise thing to do. It's not a matter of not knowing, it's just a matter of doing what he asks us to do. Andy Stanley wrote a book and it was around this phrase be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise and we always ask you would save so much agony and pain in your life if you if you just stop and say what's the wise thing to do what's the wise thing to do and you'll know that and when you act on the basis of that then the Lord will lead you so I want you to think today about your reputation It's important what people think. It's important what God thinks. And it's important to live a life that would please Him. So, Lord, today, we thank you for your goodness. Help us be good, godly people. We all make mistakes, and we know that. We want to be quick to ask for forgiveness. But, Lord, we want to be good and godly people, that we would please you and that we would be a blessing and influence in the lives of people. I'd like to ask you just to keep your head down keep your eyes closed for a minute maybe the Lord spoke to you about something in your life today where you know that well somebody somebody looked at my life and they didn't see something that was real pleasing there or I know in my life that God looked at my life in that situation he wasn't pleased well just offer that up to him determine that Lord I'm going to ask you to help me do better help me to walk more closely to you there's anybody here this morning who has not received Jesus as your personal Savior, I don't know if there is or not. I think probably most, I know most of you are, walk with the Lord. But if the Lord is nudging you today to say yes to him, yes, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with you in heaven. While everybody else's head is bowed, would you just lift up your head and look at me and slip your hand up? I know know you're going to heaven, brother. You love the Lord. doesn't mean you don't make mistakes, but you're on your way to heaven. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship the Lord.